Hello everyone, welcome to Chat with Sandy and Karen. To give a little context, we're recording this on December 19th, 2020. And today's guest is Bruce Riker, who will be talking to us about his top technology tools and students creating media in the classroom. So uh, Bruce, tell us a bit about yourself and who you are and what you do. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm excited uh, to talk technology. Uh, my name is Bruce Reicher. I'm a technology teacher in New Jersey in the United States, actually uh, 10 minutes right outside of New York City. And I've been a teacher for 26 years. And the last 14 years, I've been a middle school technology teacher where I teach sixth, seventh and eighth grade. And at this point, um, sixth grade digital leadership, seventh grade is app design and game design with Python coding. And eighth grade is TV production. And um, I like doing a lot of my PD online, um, you know, giving a lot of workshops, keeping updated on, you know, Twitter mostly with other educators um, around the country. And now even Sandy, like around the world, it's incredible how, you know, you can connect with other people in other countries so easily. Um, so that's a little bit um, about me. I have a question. Um, so this is obviously chatting with uh, Karen and myself. What are you drinking, Bruce? <laughs> We're just going with the water. It's very, it's still early in the morning here. Well, you could have your tea, your coffee. Yeah. I know. I still have to do the coffee. You know what? I don't run the coffee. Some My family was still asleep in the morning here. So I wait till they wake up a little bit before I run the coffee. So I will be making my cup of coffee soon. But so far, just water and cereal are keeping me going. Michael, what time is it there? Uh, it's about a quarter to eleven here. So, but it's still it's it's early. It's on a Saturday. It's early in the morning. Awesome. Oh, so um, what what do you have to chat about today? What do you want to talk about? We we've talked already a little bit, but. Uh, I mean, like I think the it's not necessarily like the elephant in the room, but, you know, in the middle of December, it's how are you teaching with remote learning? Like we could spend the whole time on that of just, mm -hmm. you know, what are ways that people have kind of figured out, um, you know, to teach in remote learning that it's never going to be the same as when you're in front of students. Um, but what type of things could you do, you know, to be the most effective teacher? And then moving forward, and some of us are still in school or going back to school, hopefully in the spring and, and fall, like what things could you leverage from remote teaching that work really well that you could do um, you know, in the classroom? Um, I think that's a place where universally, like everybody is at, no matter you know, state, country, or world, like where you're at is, you know, what ways could you use whatever video conferencing system you're using you know, what ways could you use it better with students? Yeah. Do you want me to answer first my own question? Question to us. I can tell you what I'm going to take away. Um, one of the things I've like before we had, um, I always like to bring people into the classroom um, talking about their experiences to give the students and insights of different jobs, different careers. And, and a lot of uh, these people have never had time to come into the school. But now 
I find that they have 10 minutes or half an hour to spare and give their time. So I hope this can carry on because now I can speak to people, professionals all over the world that are willing to talk to the students. And I hope I can carry that on into the next year. You know what? That's such a great point. And I've seen so many authors of books, you know, that give up their times and you can go like during lunch and figure out how they do the artwork or write their book or read the students. And I think it's a, a fertile, really great time that so many people are home, not everybody, but a lot of people are. And I think, you know, 99 out of 100, maybe 100 out of 100, they're going to volunteer their time to help with the school or help with education. And a lot of times charge nothing, you know, to be able to do it. And I think you're onto something with even I find in my own school with the parents that now that all of our activities are virtual, I think a lot of them are not going to go back. And I'll give you a, two great examples. One is back to school night. Now, back to school night, we did totally virtually. Nobody came into the school and the numbers were better. And frankly, we saw parents that we've never seen because a lot of them are at work during back to school night or don't want to go to the school for three hours and then their kids are home, you know, depending on their age. And we also did um, a technology night, which was like a real live event that we used to do in like a gym, you know, and have everybody in a big circle and you would go visit all the booths of like the technology projects. Uh, I work in a kindergarten through eight district. And uh, we went and we did that virtually online just two kind of like 10 minute workshops at a time. And the same thing, like, I don't know if they got the number of people, but they got people to show up that they've never seen before. Parents who've never been in the school. And I teach in a middle school and a lot of times there are less parents in a middle school or high school than an elementary school. Uh, but it was terrific to see so many of them. And um, I've heard, you know, people say, you know, well, the back to school night, maybe that should be the way that we go because you don't have to travel any place. And you saw all the parents and they traveled quicker classroom to classroom through Zoom than like walking through a crowded hallway. Mm -hmm. That's neat. So that was like a, you had breakout rooms in Zoom. Is that how you ran it? How'd you run it? They um, did a schedule and they sent it out on a Google Doc and then they clicked in, you know, to go to Zoom rooms. I think... They had 10 or 15 minutes like in each Zoom room. So the back to school night was om almost the same copy you would have if you were there in person. Um, you know, the only thing for me that which loses a little bit of it is, you know, I'm talking from home uh, during back to school night instead of talking from the TV studio that we built or instead of being in the computer lab where they could see the, you know, green screen and some of the, you know, different um, hardware things that we have. Um, I guess for next year for virtual, I could probably take pictures or video, you know, like of yeah. that to say, when we do come back, this is what, you know, your son or daughters will experience. Um, but I think there's a lot of credence in that, that a lot of people don't like to go to back to school night because if you have elementary kids, well, both maybe, or you yeah. have high school kids and now you're not home for a couple hours, um, mm -hmm. depending on their age. Um, you know, you have to get somebody to, you know, kind of check in on them. Yeah. Well, and also there was always a conflict you'd have to deal with if you had multi-age children and then they all have back to school night on the same night. You know, we, that's hard we've to deal done that. with. I have, I have two daughters and we've divided and conquered before. If just yeah. one follows one and one follows the other. 
Um, and then some schools, I think in my home district, um, their back to school night, which was interesting, they recorded the whole thing. So it was all asynchronous. Like you could go to it anytime. It could be on that night, but it could be anytime that you wanted to go visit the classroom, uh, which is a little bit of a different twist on it too. So yeah. maybe you can't go, you know, Thursday night from seven to nine o'clock, but it doesn't matter because you could click there for, I think a week or two and you could yeah. go visit the classroom teacher. Oh, well, think about that for new kids who come to your district. You know, they can start out the year just like everybody else. Exactly. And new parents, right? Yeah. Say you're a new parent to the school. Here's the link to the back to school night. And you mm -hmm. can go, you know, meet your son or daughter's teachers very quickly that way. And think about that in regular, whatever is regular or normal, which there isn't, but you would never be able to come in the middle of the year and go meet all of your teachers, but right. way you actually could. So, um, yeah, no, that's a good, uh, you know, that's a good point. And I think these are like the type of things, um, if you look at positively with things that you could take out of this, of like what things could you leverage going forward, uh, you know, back to your classroom and, what you were saying, Sandy, with the parents too, I've also often thought with like ask an expert in whatever field it is, um, same type of thing. Like I have some of them come on with the TV production kids, you know, they'll pop into the Zoom if parents work in the business, they could do the same thing if we're in the classroom and they don't physically have to come in, but could, you know, be at their desk at work or wherever they are and they, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they could remote in. Um, the other thing I've thought about in school is uh, before March 13th, Friday the 13th is when we went out last year. Um, if you were to do a Zoom or a Google Meet or anything in my school, I'm not exaggerating. You might have to talk to five or six people to like get it through the filter and get it through the network. And now think about it. We just click on the link and StreamYard, Google Meet, um, Zoom, anything, right? It's just common that we go there. So I think that's like a culture shift that's changed things. And that's something moving forward, right? You could leverage that you could bring anybody in, any expert from as long as you watch your time zones from any place in the world, like into your into your classrooms. No, definitely. I think the we don't have to go through all those barriers now, the physical barriers. It's you just put in, no, I don't even think we need to put in a request. We need an app. We just can wear have that freedom. Yeah, and I understand like what the filter is for and why you would want filters and security. Definitely, you need to have it in your school district. Um, but I, I don't think it was meant for this, but it kind of prohibited you a little bit that if you you know saw someone the week before, that'd be great to have in your classroom the next week. In the old system, guess what? You're not gonna make it because mm -hmm. there's not enough time to plan. <clears throat> where this is really you're planning on the fly in a good way where um, it's commonplace. If I send, you know, either of you a link or an expert, a link, mm -hmm. um, most of them would be able to click on it and to, you know, get into the room. And sometimes it might be a system they're not used to using, but that's okay. They, they'll probably be able to click through email and, and come visit with you. Um, and I think moving forward, like the, even naturally, I think a lot of places that will happen, um, you know, as in the spring or next fall, hopefully everybody's back in school. 
Yeah, I think one of the other positives that's come out of the pandemic is those kids that used to moan about coming to school, they miss it. <laughs> yeah, you you know what? You are so right. And believe it or not, in New York City last week, they had <clears throat> a huge um, group of people where they've closed the schools. The students go and like march and like hold up signs like they want their school open. Brilliant. Like, uh, Pre-pandemic, uh, we didn't see much of that. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> they were really they were they were protesting with their like um politely, but they were protesting with their parents holding up signs like open our school because our school is safe and we want to get in the school and learn. And then of course, you know, the news they always to me go to a kindergarten or first grader of like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I can't wait to go in and see my friends, like who is not going to view that positively, you know? Right. So, but you're right. I mean, students, um, mostly for the social aspect too, they really, you know, they really miss school. And um, if both of their parents are working, which is in my community where I teach, a lot, a lot of the parents are working, both of them. Um, and as a middle school student, you know, many of them are home alone and they're in school, but they're, you know, by themselves the whole day. Um, you know, until, you know, maybe a grandparent comes over or someone comes over to check on them. But some of them, you know, are by themselves. And I have some students who both their parents are in the medical field. So both their parents might be doctors, wow. right? It's like the opposite of what you would think of, you know, there's nobody home with the child, but that happens frequently in uh, like the environment where I work is they might be doctors or nurses um, or healthcare workers, I should really say. And you know, there's nobody, there's nobody home with them. Mm. Yeah. Well, if um, let, let's segue into uh, a little technology. If I were a teacher that's interested in starting a media or a uh, um, a broadcast situation here in this pandemic, I know uh, I want you to take some time and talk about your book, Scripted. But um, how could how, how do I get started? Let's say I'm a technology teacher in middle school. What's what's some things I need to do? I mean, I think for the technology teacher and any teacher, and this is one of the themes, like in the scripted book, is just start with what you have. So in this particular case, the book was written before the remote learning started. But you would start with what you have. If the, all the students have Chromebooks. So would you, you would use the microphone or the camera on the Chromebook. If the students are lucky enough to have or their parents have cell phones, same thing. Just use the camera, use the audio on the cell phone. And some of the things, I might just start with like audio recordings before you even get to video of simple things that you normally do, like exit tickets um, or kids leaving feedback, maybe have them leave audio feedback instead of have them write out a paragraph of you know what they learned. So I think really start with what you have and um, then, you know, then build it out that don't start with grandiose plans, um, even like lesson plans of, you know, I'm going to have the kids brainstorm, research, plan, record and edit in, in one Zoom session you know, <laughs> or in two classes. And it just doesn't it just doesn't happen because it takes longer to process through everything. And just like um going through uh, writing, um, you know, same type of steps of to brainstorm, plan, shoot, edit, take a look at what the students have videotaped, 
critique them, let them go edit it again, you know, before they hand in a final piece. Uh, for me, that will take maybe like three weeks because I see the students every other day. That doesn't happen in one or two classes. Um, and basically, I mean, the classroom teacher, along with the technology teacher, but more for the classroom teacher, what you normally teach, just start doing the audio and video things as an extension and really as like a choice board type of thing where, you know, you want to write a paper about the topic or do you want to go record a podcast or do you want to go make a video about it and give them a choice of what they are, you know, creating. And you still might get kids who get the tradition, you know, pick the traditional choice and that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, but that's how I would start getting into it is just use what you have and what you normally do. Just think a little bit, not even so much outside the box, but if the students have any device, a Chromebook, a MacBook, a Windows computer, whatever, if they're lucky enough to have, they have a camera and they have a microphone. And even with no software at all, every single device comes with its own app that will run the camera or the microphone. And before you even connect to Flipgrid or WeVideo or all these great tools, um, you could just record raw footage of them giving you feedback of what they're learning um, as a student. And I think even as the teacher, and I think a lot of teachers, this might be simple to do, but they don't like utilize it. And I've heard this from language arts teachers is stop correcting papers with your pen or in a Google doc, like just open up the microphone or open up the camera, leave the students audio or video feedback. And then it's a little bit more personal. And I hear it might also like save you time. I'm thinking of like the language arts middle school teacher who's oh, yeah. reading 150 essays um, he or she might be able to read through them and give like more authentic feedback through video or even just audio. And I know there are tools like uh, we use Kami. And I know with Kami, you could leave audio or video feedback right next to it. Um, but even again, if you don't have some of these things, you could just use the microphone or the, um, the, um, the camera that's built into whatever device you're on and, uh, you know, leave the students um, audio or video feedback. So, I really think the top thing is just use what you have. And if you're not in school and you're remote, um, I did, I've seen, which really amazes me. There's a group on Facebook that's a Georgia um, television production group. And I guess in Georgia, it's required in like every single school because they have about 500 people on this Facebook group. So they constantly are posting projects now that they're doing video projects with their students. And think about this, this is like a simple one, like just go into the cabinet and pick something out and write a commercial for it. <laughs> I <Right>? love it. <laughs> so get something authentic from your own house. And then the other thing that it does is now you have all different projects instead of that one standard like base test that you're yeah. might be giving students in your classroom that frankly now with remote learning, who knows who's really like taking the test where, you know, if you're making a commercial, a serial commercial, um, unless they're holding the camera for you, I don't think anybody at home is really helping you with that. Like that's your own creative process and really higher order thinking skills instead of, you know, just taking a, you know, a simple test of what you've memorized. Right. I think I, that's why I just love product kind of assignments anyway, you know, um, because you can, you can even differentiate between the level of ability in that product. You know, for students are going to 
they're going to do their best because they, number one, they're, they can see something. It's a living, breathing thing that they're creating. And then number two, if you, if they allow, you know, you have a, a place to, to uh, share it with other classmates, mm -hmm. uh, other classmates are going to see, and then they want to do well in front of their peers. I mean, I think the two things too are like the content is always king, you know, of like the writing, the research, the work that they put into it is going to make it if it, you know, comes out as a really good project. And I think the other kind of curveball, but if you look at it in a positive way with remote learning is like, I no longer say like, you need to use your Chromebook and we video to go make the project. You know, you want to go use your iPhone and use clips, then go for it. You want to use a PC device and use Sony Vega or whatever yeah. you might have at home, as long as you can fulfill the requirements of, you know, brainstorming it, planning it, writing it, doing an audio recording and a video recording, um, and you follow the directions, um, you probably come up with a, like better projects if people are using, you know, different platforms that, you know, um, clips on the iPhone could has different filters than we video might have or iMovie has or whatever um, the software might be that you're using. Um, so I think also with remote learning, you don't want to limit yourself to say, you know, here's exactly how you have to do it. You have to use we video. You have to do, you know, this particular title to really open it up to give the kids the requirements that you want. And I've seen it before and I'm a big fan of like the one, one column rubric of, you know, just put in the middle is kind of like average yeah. and you're either going to go over to the left and exceed everything or unfortunately go the other way that you're not going to exceed everything. And this way too, they're not reading through the rubric that, you know, I need three titles. So that's exactly what I'm going to put in when yeah. you don't need three, you need whatever necessary, you know, for your project. Yeah, that's uh, the pedagogy these days, isn't it? It's not about one thing it, to show your learning. It could be various ways of showing what you have learned. And and um, Karen knows and Sandy, you might know too, like in the book, there's the very, very end part, which is one of the most important parts, says all of the video creation and really audio creation too, any type of media, it ties into future skills. And really, like we should be more promoting future skills that students are gonna need rather than just maybe all of these state standards that they might not necessarily use if they're low level thinking. And I know the Google applied curriculum, which is free, that's exactly what the that curriculum is based on. You know, what are the future skills that students need? And you can easily find charts. They do like five-year charts from, I think it's um, the World Education Organization that shows like in 2015, you know, uh, problem solving was on top. And then, you know, they give you a list of collaborating with people, problem solving, uh, you know, working with others. And you take a look at those lists in five year cycles and all of a sudden creativity was 10, five, now it's number two. Like to be creative and create something from scratch, whether it's audio, video, or even like multimedia with Google Slides is really like where it's at. and problem solving has stayed as number one, um, you know, on that list for a while. And think about it. If people took those 10 skills, people being like educators, administrators, everybody, and said, you know what, you have to embed one of those 10 skills into every lesson. We might be producing kids that are better off when they start working after high school or college 
than to say these are all the where whatever place you're gonna pick. You know, these are the hundred standards that you need to meet. How about just meeting these like ten standards um, that are all future things that employers are looking for? And luckily, media creation, they're all higher order thinking skills. And if you take a look at those 10 things, it ties perfectly like into um, each one of them. Um, maybe like, you know, again, just like a simple rote, you know, take a test on, let's just keep it in TV production on, you know, the different parts of the camera. Like, okay, that's nice. I could go look up on my phone in two seconds, the different parts of the camera, but can you go out and create something with it? you know, from scratch and brainstorm, storyboard it out, plan it, shoot and edit it is a completely different story. Yeah, I was gonna say, I no, I haven't actually um, read your book, but I've heard very good things about your book from the one and only, so. <laughs> uh, so could you um, talk about your book? Tell us, uh, tell me more about your book, Who you know, because you didn't write it by yourself, you wrote it with... Correct, with two other authors, and actually with uh, Pauline uh, Neidlinger is one of the authors. She's a uh, middle school technology teacher. And interestingly enough, both of the other, the two other authors are from Indiana. So the whole book we wrote like online together in a Google Doc. She's from uh, Plymouth, Indiana, which is right by Notre Dame. And the other author is Randall Toms, who's a technology teacher in an elementary school in Indianapolis. And interestingly enough, both of them have, which I don't have, radio stations in their schools. And I visited both of their schools while we were writing the book. And to see elementary students hop on a radio station in like second and third grade and just put on a headset and they're on air, uh, which uh, Randy does, Randall Tom Toms does with his kids, um, is incredible. And we were talking before the show about like how social media can connect people. And that's how I met Randy and Paula was just through Twitter originally Paula, that she was a middle school teacher who taught all media. So advertising, website design, radio, TV, like you name it, the kids were doing it in her class. So I connected with her now like maybe six years ago. And then she had met Randy in Indiana. And a couple of years ago, they asked me to, you know, write the book with them. And the book is called Scripted, An Educator's Guide to Media in the Classroom. And I'm like almost proud to say, like there's no research that went into this book at all, that it's all really firsthand knowledge from the three of us melded together of, you know, what's the best plan? What's the best way to get the community involved? Hardware, software, everything A to Z. We really thought of it as like a recipe guide, almost like you would go to the hardware section or software section or lesson plan or rubric, like when you need it. Um, and frankly, we wrote the book because we looked and looked and we, we couldn't find one. The only TV production books that we could find or media production, many of them were five or 10 years old. And unfortunately with technology, you know, yeah. once something comes out, it's obsolete the next day. So five or 10 years is a long time ago. Um, you know, for the information. And they were more like high school and college textbooks than they were actually like books written for teachers. And the three of us have all taught over 25 years. And I think the book was written for educators, but by people who were in the trenches, not that there's anything wrong with if you were an administrator consultant or, you know, you work in a college, but it definitely is a different perspective when you're with students every single day. Um, yeah. 
So that's what, um, you know, the book is about basically all of our best things together of um, how to get media started in your school, keep it continuing. And even there's a chapter in there like on community, how to get the community involved um, to keep it going. And the one author, uh, Paula, she is a firestorm. She's built her whole TV studio uh, with the community. So she had her students go in Plymouth, Indiana, like a tiny little town, go to every single store and tell them they had a TV show and they would write commercials for them. And normally like on a radio or TV station, I don't know, your commercial plays 10 or 20 times. The kids told them it will play 170 times. We'll play it every day. <laughs> like every kid in the middle school will hear about the ice cream store and the drug store and the, all these stores. I think she got like 10 or 15 stores and she literally built her TV studio from like community donations that I think it was like $250 for like unlimited commercials for the whole year. <laughs> and she pretty much like crowdsourced from the town, the funding, uh, you know, for it. I'm a little bit jealous of her that it's a very good idea. Yeah, um, and then they have an ownership in it. Like, you know, the ice cream store plays the kids radio station because they could hear their commercial uh, being played on it. Oh my gosh. That's so great. And you know, the, the cool thing with the book too, now the three of us are very good friends, but in, you know, in the beginning I knew Paula a little bit better than Randy, but the first two months we didn't write anything. It was just like, what microphone do you use? What camera do you use? What, like it was the three of us just sharing um, yeah. out all the different things. Um, like to give you one example, um, Randy does this, the elementary teacher Tom's, and now I do it too. Well, when I was in school, is instead of using regular microphones hooked to the camera, when the kids do voiceovers in a classroom, even with nice USB mics, it's going to pick up other noise in the classroom, even though my classes are not that huge. So he used these, um, the it's called a Sony PX370. It's a little tiny voice recorder that you might bring to a lecture hall to like record the lecture. And he has kids in kindergarten through fifth, and now I do it in middle school. That's how my kids do the voiceovers for their projects. They record in this little recorder and the novelty of it is it has a USB that comes out the back of it that then you could connect to the Chromebook or the device. It's almost like the old flip camera that was around for a while, except this only does audio. It's just an audio recorder. I think it records like 500 hours of audio. So I have kids recording on there all the time and can now can just say go to the hallway where it's quiet outside my classroom or I happen to be right next to the library my classroom like pick a quiet corner to go record and the recording is pristine on it and with like a 40 50 dollar little you know piece of a just a Sony PX370 recorder wow so how do you get to fund all of the equipment um, I think we've done it all different ways. And there's a whole chapter too on like budget and like funding. Um, in my own particular school, a lot of it was funded through something called the Educational Foundation, which is like a nonprofit foundation. They have it a lot in New Jersey. I don't know about other states in the United States where, you know, parents with extra income said, let's make our own 501c and we'll call it Educational Foundation. And we'll have parties to, for, to donate things. Um, and then we'll run other events. And in my particular district, they raise a lot of money every year for everything, not just technology. 
Um, so most of mine is funded through PTO, Educational uh, Foundation, and some of the regular budget. Paula did it with you know people in the town. Um, I think most the three of us really we look for like the best buy or deal on you know what we're going to be using with the students. So a good thing about technology is it does come down in price by half every mm -hmm. single year. Um, so a lot of the um, technology you might use, like I'll give you an example with the TV studio. I use um, the company's called Blackmagic Design. And now a little video switcher for a Blackmagic Design studio is $250. I mean, <laughs> five years ago, 10 years ago, that might be $2,000, $5,000, $10,000. $250 okay. little broadcaster that you still have to buy the cameras to plug into. But probably for under a couple hundred of that, a couple hundred dollars, and this is why we go back to use what you have. But you could build yourself a nice little TV or podcasting, you know, radio studio right in your classroom, just with you know, getting a pair of headphones, a device you have, and maybe a nice yeah. microphone, and you're ready to go. I've even seen uh, pictures on, on social media of uh, a large cardboard box that someone has put either egg crate or some kind of a sound uh, absorbing uh, material inside and then a microphone inside so that when the kids speak, it kind of uh, deadens the out the ambient noise there. But uh, yeah. yeah, teachers are so creative. Those are so ingenious too, because if you go to buy one of those, they call it like a studio in a box. They're like <laughs> 50, 60 bucks. And you can just like make one with a regular box that, or have them go to a quiet place, maybe, you know, to record. Right, right. Sometimes you can't do that. You have to, they have to be in the classroom, I understand. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess what I'm saying is there's a lot of different ways to do this economically. And that's another theme that runs like throughout the book that a lot of the software that we recommend, it's, it's free, you know, like Wakelet and, you know, other websites that we use and are in there. Um, you know, there is some cost for some of the hardware once you get into it. But I really do think like the content or the material is the most important thing. And mm -hmm. you could have an amazing setup with, you know, expensive microphone or expensive camera if you're doing audio or video, either one. And if you don't have any good content to record, it's not really going to matter like how nice or expensive the things are. Um, I rather have really good content and, you know, the materials that I have might not be over the top. And like, I'll give you a good example for the TV show that we do. Uh, we do have regular teleprompters that um, I think through the regular budget we bought at, at one point, but our script is actually done in a Google slideshow. So we just have a slide deck. It's the script. And there's about three sentences just written on a text box on each slide. And now I can have the student who's running the teleprompter kind of slow down the cadence also of the person talking. Instead of a regular teleprompter, you would press a mouse or a, a button you would hold to make it go fast or slow. This is a lot more efficient. And now with Chromebooks, we went to five years ago, every single student has a script on their device. Oh, nice. Right? Instead of using the software that came with the teleprompter, uh, which would have to be on one single computer, um, and same yeah. for the graphics on our show is all the graphics we put into a slide deck. Um, and then that slide deck becomes the green screen background for weather and sports, the um, squares over the student's shoulders, 
you know, when they're doing news stories or the background. So I just used a tool that we had that was free, Google Slides. And um, it also problem solved for me the biggest pain in the neck in doing the TV show in the beginning. We did it in PowerPoint, which PowerPoint's fine. We printed the script every day. So 170 days times 30 piece, times 60 pieces of paper. We were printing a lot of paper and the printer malfunction was probably the most difficult thing or running out of ink or paper or you know, normal, normal things like that. Um, so I don't think you need a lot of money to do it. In fact, use what you have and you probably don't need any money at all to at least start it and get it done. And even with products like WeVideo, which there is a free light version that does a little, but really not much. I tell people all the time, educators, use it, use the free version or, you know, get a trial of it, have the students create content with it, and then go to the decision maker and say, look, you know, here are commercials my kids made. Here's a podcast that they made. Here's a little TV show thing that they made. But I, I would like to now fund like the full version of WeVideo instead of just a free trial of the light version that I was using. And many times if you show them content instead of, because they don't know what WeVideo is or whatever the product you know may be, or they might, not, might never have heard of it. But if you show them something that the kids made, um, it's a little bit, it takes a little bit more um, water to it. No, that's true. So you're also a WeVideo uh, ambassador, right? Yes, uh, WeVideo, um, I have a couple other ones, uh, BrainPop, Google 1 and 2, level 1 and 2 for teachers, and also for this Codesters, Python coding that we use. And, you know, WeVideo, um, we never used before we got Chromebooks. We had always used iMovie on iPads or on regular iMacs. And then five years ago when we switched, there were only two um, software that we had trouble, like, replicating. One was Google Earth, but now there's a website for Google Earth. But the other one was iMovie. Like there was nothing like iMovie at all. And there are other software programs or websites, you know, other than WeVideo. But WeVideo had the best management system. And it seemed to be the friendliest, and it definitely is, for educators that they listen to you and they keep, you know, building on their product that mm -hmm. originally they had um, no stock media. So you would go to create your video. It would have to be all your own footage, all your own pictures, everything. Now, five, uh, five, yeah, five years later, they have over 1 million free assets, royalty-free, that's built into the program. Yeah. Now, they're free. You have to pay for the software. But when you use them, you know that they're royalty-free and you can get video or pictures and also sounds of you know almost anything. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of WeVideo and... When I tried it originally, I didn't love it because I was on the light version and you couldn't collaborate with anyone. You couldn't share with them. And But once I got to the Chromebooks and used the full version, um, they keep upgrading it. And um, the other thing with WeVideo, before I forget, is because it is video, most people think that's all you can do with it. But it does podcasting. You can export out as audio, animated, GIFs or GIFs. You can screen record with it. Um, so I'm more apt to be just use we video instead of a separate program for podcasting, screencasting, video creation and GIFs. Just use that one thing um, and then the students will know it and you'll know it instead of using four different things for four different types of media creation. 
yeah, no, Wii Video is definitely better in the full version than it is. And I can't wait to um, get hold of your book. So is it on Amazon? Where, how can I? Sure. Um, it is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, dot com. Um, the best way is just scriptededucators.com is the website. On the bottom of the homepage are different ways to get it. And we're really excited. There are different schools that are now looking into um, using the book as like a book study. Um, and then, you know, they'll buy whatever number of them like at a discount from EduMatch Publishing are the, is the publishers of it. And you might have heard of or not, but Dr. Sarah Thomas is the person that started this EduMatch company. And it started very organically with her just trying to match up other educators to try to help each other. Um, and now it's branched into the regular EduMatch site, a whole branch of publishing. I think there's like 80, 90 books from all different educators um, who are published with her. Um, and I say organically, cause like I, even if you asked her, I, I don't think there was like a business plan. It was just, she put people together and then the people she put together, they crowdsourced a book, which they still do every year, like the top tech trends in whatever year. And then some of those educators said um, to Sarah Thomas, would you, would you want to start getting into publishing, you know, and we could write books and you can organize it and the whole thing. So yeah, edumatch.org is the website for them. And she's a great person to follow too, uh, Dr. Sarah Thomas on Facebook and, and, and Twitter. Uh, but yeah, those are the places that you can get to it. It's also, I think, a Kindle version on Amazon. So you can even like download it. Um, a lot of people are reading it, are reading it that way. And now is like the organic fun part for us is like now we're seeing, we're revisiting some podcasts where some of the people who had bought it are like using it in their classroom and starting to hear stories of, there was, there's one podcast I listened to called the teacher nerds. They're two educators from New Jersey. One is a gifted and talented teacher and the other one's a third grade teacher. And they interviewed us a couple of weeks ago and the person holds up the book and I almost lost it. He had like little tabs and sticky notes in like 20 places in the book. And he's like, Oh, I've done the cereal box curriculum thing. I've done the commercial. I've done this or that. And that was really the premise for doing the book that teachers would use it and it would be useful. So yeah, amazon.com, um, even from edumatch.org, I think they sell it on there. Um, if you're buying it in bulk for your school, um, that would be the best place. I know they give you a little discount um, or on Amazon. Okay, that's good to know. Karen? Uh, I just, I, I think that's that's really excellent. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you're getting to the fun part where seeing everyone uh, Using using the ideas in the book because they're going to change it and they're going to fit it to their their situations and I know as an educator you you love that um, and, you, and you know one of the coolest things was we're lucky enough we had we kind of developed partnerships with the book with We Video has written a part of it Nathan Langrad wrote that part with Wakelet um, Mizba uh, from Wakelet wrote his section and then we use something called Backbone Radio which is the internet radio station that they were using. Uh, they also wrote their section. And over the summer, we went on one of those wakelet in the middle of the day, you know, conversations about media in the classroom and, you know, the following year. And I was blown away. We had over 700 people were watching it live. And I think there was like 30 different countries. 
So the other kick of it is you can um, look on Amazon to see like where the book is bought and like all, all these countries that you would never think of. It's not, it's still in English, right? It's not um, transcribed in their language, but a lot of different countries of different educators um, and that's the power of, you know, the social media too, that every, a lot of people are on it. Um, actually yeah. got the book, which is really cool. And, you know, that's those are the things like that was not expected at all. That's awesome. Oh, and you were in the teachathon, weren't you? The I was in the teachathon. I think I did um, 24 hour PD of like, this is the best time for free PD, uh, you know, to go get it any place. And even recently, he, he always does it. He's in the middle of it now. Matt Miller from like Ditch That, Ditch that Textbook, mm -hmm. who I really admire like Matt Miller because even though he's writing the books and selling them, the whole conference, and actually it's the middle of it right now, hashtag, I think it's called Ditch Summit. You sign up for free. There's 70 recorded video presentations for free, I think until the end of January, on any topic at all. And I really, maybe some of those things might have been happening in the past, but for me, I was in school teaching the whole time, or, you know, I was a little bit off my radar of some of these things that happened during the day because they weren't as accessible, you know, maybe to get to that, you know, now during lunch, you can pop it on where beforehand you might have kids, well, I did have kids running in and out of my classroom to go record things or whatever. Um, but yeah, there's a, I think I did a free PD one uh, for that. and that, you know, there's amazing amount of resources. And, you know, I think all educators, they want to share what they're doing and have other people do it. And I, I think, you know, all of them are well-intentioned that you don't go into writing the book to like make money from it. You know, you go, right. you write it because it's something that you're passionate about. And if that happens, that happens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I, um, gosh, I really appreciate you coming on our, our chat. And uh, I hope that this is, uh, I hope that a lot of people watch this, not for us, but for you, because the ideas uh, that you have in your scripted uh, book is um, they are useful. I mean, I think a lot of people now are more open to media and developing something like that be just because of the world we live in right now. So, um, gosh, I, I agree. I think people have, I mean, I, I'm the same as everybody else. I never used Zoom before March 13th of last year. I mean, even just to see yourself on video and like get used to it that you're on and the kids are on, I think is a big hurdle. Yeah. Everybody has kind of, well, most people have kind of like gotten over that, you know, you're going to be teaching and this is, you know, how you're going to look in the Zoom or whatever you're using. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the main point is the media creation is easy. And the biggest question that we get too is, well, I don't create media myself as a teacher. So like, how do I have the students do it? And here's something to keep in mind. And I'll, I'll ask a thing to think about. Every student that we have now, kindergarten through 12th, none of them grew up without the internet. So even your little guys in kindergarten and first grade, right? They grew up with iPads and iPhones and, you know, whatever devices they were using with touch screen and the whole thing that um, they're definitely not blank slates, you know, once they get there and just ask in your classroom. And if you don't know how to do it, I'm sure there are kids that are pretty proficient at many of the things we don't even think about that 
they do for media creation. Absolutely. That is, that's amazing. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you, Bruce. And I thank you for taking the time and, uh, joining Sandy and me on the show. And we're very honored to, for you to share your wisdom and experience with us. And I hope you come back again to visit and, uh, thank you to all of our listeners out there too. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at chat WSK one and to find us on Spotify, Google, and very soon Apple. So thank you again, Bruce. No, thank you. Best of luck uh, with the podcast. And once we get out the version, we'll push it out to through all social media. We'll try to get as many people on as possible listening to, uh, to both of you because I enjoy the banter between both of you that it's a good, good combination and a relaxed place for any educator to come and share their story. Well, thank you, Bruce. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, take it easy, y'all. Talk to you Bye. later. Bye.